1059 in the fan. Ben Ennis and Flockus Eagles. Brent Gunning with his new haircut. How long has it been? Two months since he got a haircut? The guy, man. So I I went in. I thought I booked a haircut with the guy who cut my hair last time, and it was somebody else, and mm. I was very uneasy about it. And he was just like, have you, he was talking to me like I'd never got a haircut. Like you would have <laughs> thought this was uh-huh. the first one out of the pandemic. But yeah, I think it's been about two months. My hair grows fast. Uh-huh. I'm lucky. Is that a brag? I think. Well, I mean, not to you. You got mm. good. You got good head of hair. My hair also grows Let me tell you something. There are some people listening that Mm -hmm. that's a brag to, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, yeah. Looks good. Looks good. Thanks, bud. You wearing a hat. I'm surprised. Yeah, it's Friday. I don't know. Feels like a hat day. Uh, We'll get back into the Maple Leafs later on. Hat and and hair talk. Yeah, we'll get back into the Maple Leafs later on in the program. Um, Yeah, they, they lose it overtime. On Long Island yesterday, the Panthers win again. They've won nine in a row. And oh, if you're worried about a Leafs Panthers first early. round, peaking early. Yeah, if you're worried about a Leafs Panthers first round series instead of a second round series, and how tough that matchup could be, here I got good news for you. Panthers mm. now only one point back of the Bruins for first in the Atlantic. So uh, you got yourself maybe a Leafs Bruins rematch. Sure, why not? Anyways, uh, speaking of uh, Boston and mm. environs, uh, the Patriots. Waving goodbye to Bill Belichick yesterday. We broke it on the new on uh, our show yesterday. We we didn't break the news. We had <laughs> we broke the news that it was being broken uh, by Adam Schefter and others yesterday. Been, could you imagine if I had, had that the scoop? In, inside info? Yeah, uh, no, we didn't have the inside info. We had uh, access to Twitter, so we Shit. we saw when so Adam Schefter myself. You know, I can read. Yeah, that's he, my equivalent of breaking it. He tweeted that uh, Bill Belichick. And the Patriots would be parting ways. And we kind of wondered, how would this be messaged? Because early in the week, it did feel like Bill Belichick was making some indication that he would acquiesce some power. Mm -hmm. He would do whatever it takes to remain at the helm of the Patriots. And, oh, does that impact it? And will will there be a a more severe cutting of the court? No, didn't turn out that way. He acquiesced his job. Yeah. And I guess it was always going to go that way. Like, how how can you, the most successful head coach in your franchise's history, one of the most successful in the history of the sport, it's never going to be a scenario where it's just Robert Kraft at the podium yesterday saying we're we're on to our next head coach. Uh, that That's, I mean, I guess that was unreasonable. We're on to Cincinnati. That would have been, yeah. I, I think I could have predicted what we saw yesterday mm, three weeks ago. Did you hear the like weird line from Kraft of, he has a cold or I'd kiss him mm-hmm. as he said that. It was, yeah, you... I I saw some people saying, well, why have the conference if you're not going to take any questions? It's because if it comes across as a press release of with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft signed at the bottom, we think that that's, you know, that's much more contentious than if they show face together publicly. So I understand why they needed to do that. And yeah, I think this is the, the most amicably it could have gone. I mean, there have been way messier divorces of, I'm not going to say more successful coaches and franchises because in my lifetime, I've certainly never, never seen that before, but yeah, I think this is as amicable as it could possibly be. And I am, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm very curious what the future holds in New England, obviously, but how can you not be about wherever Belichick's next stop is? All right, so where is that? And and secondarily, so what's the ideal landing spot for Bill Belichick from mm-hmm. a narrative standpoint? And secondarily, which I think is almost a more interesting question considering how not just this past season has gone last year, since the Brady, and like there were some moments there with Cam Newton early yep. on, I guess, but... Ooh, uh, Made the playoffs with Mac Jones. <laughs> 
Thumbs up. How'd that uh, Bills playoff game go? Terribly, but I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of coaches who have had quarterbacks better than Mac Jones and mm-hmm. would kill to, would love to be in a playoff game. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so yeah, two two things. Um, one, where's the ideal landing spot for mm-hmm. Bill Belichick? And two, how high on the list of head available head coaches? And there's so many great mm-hmm. ones. Like what a it, it's again a buyer's market yep. in the NFL. Like how how high is he on the list of priorities if if you're running an organization that needs a head coach? I I don't think he is the absolute one A. I think that's probably Harbaugh to to a lot of people. I think that is the guy, but I am not someone who thinks he has completely lost it. I think you give him a GM to work with or even a Super Bowl-ready-ish roster. Like, somebody's going to lose this week. Somebody's going to lose next week. Maybe he waits a year. Maybe it's a team a year from now. But I I still think he has some juice as a, as a coach, for sure. The GM stuff, it hasn't worked for a long time there. But as a coach, I think he should be fairly high on the pecking order, personally. All right, let's bring in uh, our friend Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS. How's it going, Charles? Doing great. Good morning to you guys. How are you? Doing very well. Good morning to you. All right. So I'll pose the same question to you. If if you're if you're an owner of an NFL franchise, first of all, can I borrow some some cash? Uh, but secondarily, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Secondarily, um, how is is Bill Belichick number one on on your list of of interview uh, targets? I think it depends on the veteran status of the person who owns the team if that makes any sense at all, because mm-hmm. I do think that if you are more of a veteran owner, you know, been around the block, you know, if you want to put age in there, I think it's a legit conversation. I think there'd be much more of a reverence for Bill Belichick. If you are a younger owner, I don't know that it's quite the same because the younger owner feels like what they've seen down the stretch is a guy who's not in touch. You know, the team, the team didn't stay there. We'll buy more into the, it was Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady. It wasn't Bill Belichick. So I think there will be some of that. That's a general statement, not a, a an all-encompassing. But I also think that there are, there's going to be an element of truth in there. The other part is going to be, if you have a quarterback that you're trying to get going, right, or you have to protect and take care of, again, he might not be the highest guy on your list. You know, if you're if if you're if you see I say San Diego, I can't help it. If you're the Chargers, you have Justin <laughs> Herbert. You're thinking much more of who's my offensive guy that's going to take care of this kid because that that's a, that's a generational type quarterback that's being wasted right now. If you're in a different spot, you know, and you're saying I need the person who's going to lead a locker room, form my team, all those other things has done it quite well before, and I'm willing to go in that direction. Then, then it's, then it's, you're much more of a Belichick person. And I, and I heard you guys talk a little bit before I came on. I thought the last point that was made, these championship-type teams, these teams that are in the playoffs that are a little dissatisfied, because we see it all the time. Teams make the playoffs and they still fire the coach because they can't quite get there. He might be the guy that you're looking at there for that as well. Yeah, it's funny, right? We talk so much about the legacy, obviously, with Brady and him getting his Super Bowl post-Belichick. I wonder how Belichick's legacy changes if he is able to... And look, you know, he's going to be the head coach of a team. But to your point, if he is able to get hooked up with a... You know, it's been McDaniels who he's had the most success with, and I'm not suggesting that that's what would happen here. But if he's able to get hooked up with a bright offensive mind, I mean, pick your guy in the NFL. There's no shortage of them. It's like, you know, obviously Joe Brady's not going anywhere, but you see what he was able to do for Buffalo 
I do wonder how that would change the perception of him because, you know, we think of him as this defensive mastermind and rightfully so. But when we think of that Patriots dynasty, it's Brady and it's Gronk and it's Moss and it's Edelman. And don't get me, I'm not slighting any of the defensive players, but yeah. so much of it is the offense. Like, what do you think it would do for his legacy if he was able to find that kind of bright offensive mind to, I don't want to say attach himself to, because he'd still be the man and right. still be his culture. But what do you think that would do? It'd be, it would be, it would improve everything greatly. Look to me, his legacy is cemented because when it's all said and done and we get a little bit of time and perspective, we realize exactly what's been accomplished. Agreed. Right. And we, and we dig even deeper into it. Okay. Yes. Tom Brady's going to be your focal point, but what turned around the super bowl when it was 28 to three, it was his defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, it was high tower with the sack. It was, you know, another play here. It was holding Atlanta at, at 28. You get the whole idea. Malcolm Butler against the Seahawks, that, right? Right. Malcolm, Malcolm <laughs> Butler making the play when he decides not to call timeout when everyone's screaming, you got to call timeout because if they score, you got to have time. And he's thinking, nah, Seattle looks a little discombobulated. <laughs> they don't look right over there. We're going to keep going. And then, you know, they drilled the play and sure enough, Seattle called it. All those things come into it, right? All those things kick in. So eventually we have full perspective and we watch, but in another act, another team, another offensive coordinator, another hot player. Yeah. That, that, that takes things to to a different level, but let's not fool ourselves. Okay. When we think of the greatest coaches that have ever coached the game in, in, in the NFL, almost every single time. And I'm just leaving just a little room for the almost. Mm-hmm. you are attached to a great quarterback. Yeah. All right. And a great quarterback who's had success in this league is attached to a great coach. Mm-hmm. And we can go through them very easily, right? The Cleveland Browns, when they came into the league, that was Paul Brown and Otto Graham. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vince Lombardi had Bart Starr. Bart Starr had Vince Lombardi. Okay. Roger Staubach had Tom Landry. Tom Landry had Roger Staubach. Chuck Knoll had Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw had Chuck Knoll. We just keep going and going and going. That's kind of how it works. Do we have a few anomalies there? Sure. You want to say, hey, Jeff Hostetler won one with the Giants. You know something? Phil Simms got them there. (laughs) Okay. Phil Simms had most of the season. And Phil Simms was 22 of 25, I believe, in the Super Bowl he played in Pasadena when they beat the Denver Broncos. So don't tell me Phil Simms and Bill Parcells shouldn't be up there as a duo. They should be. Well, and even, even Andy Reid, like you look at, you look at him and we all thought great things of him when he had a really great quarterback in Donovan McNabb, but he has a generational transcendent one in Mahomes, And we even feel like slightly differently about him now that he's able to stamp at home, right? Like it is, even, great, it great is remarkable. No, yeah. no accident. He won. no accident that with Mahomes he won it mm-hmm. with McNabb. He got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some and great McNabb. McNabb was a terrific quarterback. Mm-hmm. Was he Mahomes? No. no, no, I don't. I don't recall Different. Patrick Mahomes ever vomiting in a in a huddle in a Super Bowl. That doesn't, doesn't ring true. Long it, career coming. If if, 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 if if he has, his team is covered for him. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's some, yeah, there's some. You know, I'm, I'm not going to leave that one on Donovan. Yeah. Is the only thing. <laughs> yeah. It is the one. That, it's one. It's a thing that that people will remember. Of course, it is yeah. unfortunate for him. But but those are the types of things that come up now. If somehow they had won the Super Bowl, yeah, him vomiting Legendary. in the huddle would have been a courageous act. Yep. you know, but like, yep, there you go. He's not stopping for anything. He went ahead and vomited in the huddle and went on and scored. So you know, you yeah, know how it works. That's rough. You know, there's some great quarterbacks this weekend as uh, we get uh, the NFL postseason underway with Super Wild Card Weekend. There's also 
you know, Mason Rudolph uh, and, and Joe Flacco, who is the Super Bowl champion. But I honestly, yeah. Charles, you, you look at these six games and usually wildcard weekend is not, it's, it's great to have the postseason in front of us, but it's not the best weekend yeah. of, of postseason football we get. There's a divisional round and God conference championship weekend is so awesome. But, and usually there's one game that stands out as like a real stinker. And maybe you can talk about the Bills Steelers. I mean, it's the biggest spread of the weekend. I, I right. if I was a Bills fan, I, I wouldn't be counting my chickens, even though there's no TJ Watt. But like, yeah, we've seen that team be inconsistent. Can you remember a wild card weekend where there was really, man, I, I, there's a lot of wide open games here. I, I could see a lot of games going either way. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you bring that up because it used to be, and this is before we expanded and started playing the Monday night game. Because, you know, we keep the weekend, and we decided Monday's weekend now too, right, the NFL. Sure. But we used to have – you remember that that run because people have forgotten because it, we've caught up in kind of the euphoria that the Texans, wow, what a season they had under D'Amico Ryan, and rightly so, right? They've been abysmal in the last few seasons. But you remember that run they had under Bill O'Brien where they were winning the division almost yep. every year. They were going to the playoffs. But they were always the first playoff game yes. of the weekend. We could in in the league we called it the Houston Invitational. Right. Okay. So they would they would I referred to it TV. as the TJ Yates Bowl, just for the record. There you go. Well well done, sir. Well done. In fact, people have forgotten probably that one of the wildest plays and I would say a play call that that, that everyone would take back if they could happened in a Houston, Kansas city wildcard playoff game where JJ Watt came trotting on the field on fourth and one near the goal line and went wildcat mm-hmm. snapped the ball to him. And he tried to carry it and got tattooed by about eight chiefs and didn't come anywhere close to getting it. I remember sitting on my couch thinking I, even when I saw him trot on the field, I said, Oh no, 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 no. No, no, no. Because I could, I could, I could hear my college coach Johnny Major saying, "There's a reason certain guys should do certain things, and what may look like a good idea on on the, on the board is often a bad idea in action." <laughs> and that's exactly what happened on that play. It was like, oh, totally, Bill O'Brien and crew totally overthought it, and they got beat that day. But we used to look at that thing because TV always looks at the wild card weekend, right? When wild card games are are, are set. Then TV gets involved. Who plays when? What slots? Who goes where? Mm-hmm. And guess what? Houston was almost always, I feel like they always were, the Saturday afternoon ESPN game because that was when ESPN had one playoff game. Right Now they have a bunch of them with a new contract, and that's where Houston would go. This year, I think you're right. It, 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 it's so big that Kansas City and Miami going to Peacock <laughs> is huge, huge news because any game that got pushed to Peacock was huge news because no one wants to go to a streaming service and it doesn't feel right in the playoffs, especially to me. I was like, I don't know about putting playoff games in streaming services. I want the people to have the games, but let's face it. If you're Peacock, you want to try and expand your place. Taylor Swift going to watch the band play works really well for you. You know, that game is on cable here, right? We don't get Peacock. Charles, did you know that? that You know, you know, know something you just totally depressed me right now. And I, and, and and I'm buying, and I'm buying a one-way ticket to Toronto in about 10 minutes. All right. Can't wait. Uh, call, uh, call Jeff and he'll, uh, he'll, he'll set you up. Uh, The, you know, the, the other thing you mentioned that game there, 
I'm sure you've seen the forecast. It looks like it is going to be brutal yeah, weather. They're awful. telling people not to go outside in Kansas City, but just because people shouldn't go outside doesn't mean football players shouldn't play football. That would be ridiculous. You know, I think everybody looks at this game and says, mm, South Florida team that loves to spread it out, that's going to bode terribly for them. And I do tend to believe that, but they also lead the NFL in yards per carry rushing the ball. Now, it's not like they run it a thousand times a game. They pick their spots a little bit, but is there a chance that the weather doesn't kill the Dolphins as much as people maybe expect it to? Yeah, there's always that chance. And look, football's football's football. Is there is there an element of it? Absolutely. Go back to remember the Freezer Bowl, Cincinnati, San Diego, mm-hmm. the AFC Championship game, and it was just awful, awful conditions. And here comes San Diego from the West Coast to the Midwest, and Cincinnati won the ball game. Okay, the thing I worry about in these types of games. This is my human condition. I do absolutely know people who played in that game, like for both sides. And independent, every single one of them. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was every player I like. You know, it wasn't 40 guys I talked to. Let's say it was six guys I was I talked to, because that would be about the right number. All of them said the exact same thing to me. They were never the same after that day. (laughs) Like, but uh, are you joking? But like, like like physically, they were never the same. Physically, every one of them has said they were never the same. There was always something that they never truly were the same person afterwards. They had this ailment, that ailment, that sort of a deal. It it, it sounds like a bad, you know, government plot book, (laughs) but it's not because the conditions were so awful. And you have to remember when they played then guys, that turf they played on doesn't exist anymore, right? That's that, that old concrete that everyone played on back then. And you're playing in conditions of negative 40 degrees. You know, you're just playing on a skating rink essentially without blades. So all of that comes into play. And that's where I worry about people playing, but you know, the game is going to go on. So back to the game, Raheem Moster may not play for Miami. That takes away one of those runners we're talking about. Okay. On the flip side for Miami, what I worry about even more is the defensive side of the ball. Mm. Every big pass rusher they have is probably not going to play. Jalen Phillips, we lost him against New York at the Jets earlier this year. They lost Bradley Chubb in the last minute and a half in the game at Baltimore. They were getting blown out. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, the other pass rusher, is ruled out. He's on IR. So now Melvin Ingram, who was, who was brought up to from the practice squad about a week and a half ago, he's going to have to play. They just signed Justin Houston, the number one inside linebacker. Jerome Baker is not going to play. Their second corner, Xavier Howard, who's a pro bowler, he's not going to play. That's what I worry about more with them. The fortunate thing for them is that Kansas City is not the same explosive Kansas City that they always used to be. Because if it was, I'd have Kansas City in a route. But they're not. So maybe Miami can hang in there. But I'll say it one more time. If it's not fast break, full court basketball, Kansas, I mean, Miss Miami doesn't win this game. Yeah. If this game turns into a slugfest half court game, Kansas City wins this ball game because Miami has not shown the ability to win that game over 60 minutes. Not yet. Yeah. And, and and maybe this isn't the the best game to 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 glean whether this is a truly different Chiefs team and whether you know Patrick Mahomes truly yeah. doesn't have enough weapons because they're still favored in this game and the weather is going to really bring the talent level down you would expect. But I mean, I still I, even I've watched all the Chiefs it, games. There's still a chance. Yeah, there's still a chance. Listen, I'm with you on that one, and it's the type of game that a really skillfully thrown pass mm-hmm. to a wide open receiver who gets tackled. And the ball pops in the air and gets right. taken the other way by the defense. 
It's that type of a game where a team can win that one. And you look up, you go, hold it a minute. Did Miami just win that game? Yeah. Yeah, they did. That, that's the type of game that can happen with these types of weather conditions. Well, and I also wonder what's on the line for Patrick Mahomes. who's uh, He's going to go into next season as, yeah, the, still the best quarterback in the NFL. And, and, you know, he's won a couple of Super Bowls and appeared in three and yada, yada, yada. But he's also made the AFC Championship game in each and every single one of his yeah. seasons. And, like, every time I, I, I doubt the Chiefs and I see the things everybody <laughs> sees with that offense, I've always come back to, well, let's see. Like, they've had some uneven regular seasons in years past, and they've been able to figure it out. I understand the weapons. Like, I, I know Marcus Valdez-Scantling can't catch a football. Like, I understand that. I, right. see, I see Travis Kelsey not looking like the same dude. If, if that does finally manifest itself in the postseason, and God forbid – they don't yeah. make it to an AFC championship game. Again, for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> career, does does that all go away? Do we view that 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 era of Chiefs football very different differently going into even next season? No, no, not at all. What we view is the fact that I think what what you would view and what you would hear and probably what you would assess is a Kansas City organization that two years ago put a lot on their quarterback and said, hey, Patrick could bring these guys along. And think about last year's crop of receivers. They weren't fantastic either, but they were better than this year's crop. And they found a way to win a Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes bringing those kids along was a big part of it. Fast forward to this year, we're going to put even more on him and put less resources in these receivers. Come on, Patrick, you can do it again. And they might have hit that point where they went just a little bit too far with it. Remains to be seen. But that's what it looks like going into the playoffs. So that's what the offseason would be. Hey, you got to give this kid a little bit more help because you want him at his best. Mm-hmm. It can't be where he can throw to a rookie in Rasheed Rice and to Travis Kelsey. And that's pretty much all you got. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason Kelsey's decline is that you got three people surrounding him on every snap. You know, I mean, if you're a defense, who are you going to cover? Because if it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you just make sure he can't beat you deep. And even if he does, you got at least a 50-50 chance he's not going to catch it. Mm. So, 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 so that's, that's, where, that's what it comes down to. I don't think it affects his legacy at all. In fact, here's the kicker to it. He's never played a playoff game, not counting the Super Bowl, which is quote-unquote a neutral site. Yeah. Never played a playoff game on the road. Yeah. Now I would opine that the neutral site game that was on the road was the Tampa Super Bowl when they played Tampa in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that was also a COVID year, and he didn't have a full house in the stands. So they've never played on the road. If they win this ball game, there's a very good chance they'll be on the road in the next next round and have his first playoff game on the road. And boy, if he finds a way to win it with this offense, yeah, his legacy actually goes in the other direction. For it sure. goes way up. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we have. But I don't think it affects him at all. I think people, you guys, you know, you've watched. I mean, seriously, that receiving core, they, they've let him down at almost every turn throughout this season. So, so that, that's, that's the thing that we have to look at. If you're the general manager, Brett Beach, you got a lot of people asking you questions right now. Like, really? This is what you're going to let stand going into next year? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. He he might be thankful that they're hiding this thing on Peacock, but you know if you if you, sub, if, if you subscribe, you can watch all like those old SNL episodes. So I don't know, maybe there's the, there's a spin listen, zone listen, to it. The, listen, the, listen, the Swifties are going to have Peacock feeling pretty good about itself. Like every time <laughs> yes. you get mad and you say, "I cannot believe you took this game away from the masses," 
And then you throw Taylor Swift into this, and the Swifties go, you know something? We'll take care of you, Peacock, because we got to see our girl. <laughs> and then the league's like, I don't know what you guys are yelling about. The ratings were pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Charles, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll, we'll talk next Friday. I look forward to it. And, and listen, I love this this first weekend of the, the playoff season. To me, it's like going to the final four in the semifinal day. I like better than the final, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of deal. Cause I'm getting the two for what, you know, two games and all the intrigue and everything goes into it. I'm pretty fired up by how it's going down. And I think you guys made a great point. We don't have that one game that just stands out and you go, Oh, that's just awful. Mm-hmm. We just don't have it because I do think the, the Buffalo Pittsburgh one, if Pittsburgh's able to run it at all, yeah, they can make it a close tight game. Now, I do think Buffalo is the better team. I don't think there's any question. But Pittsburgh has beaten Buffalo, I think, the last two or three times they've played. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. Yeah, especially if you get three more uh, turnovers from Josh Allen. We'll see. Uh, Again, Charles, (laughs) uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks, buddy. You guys be good. Take care of yourself. You too. Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. Uh, No Leafs comment from him. No. Surprising. Um, All right. We're just dipping our toe. Mm -hmm. We talked about one game. Yeah, we well, did. peripherally a second in the Bills game. Let's let's get into it in more mm-hmm. depth, in earnest. Uh, after the break, so we're going to pick all the games uh, coming up on the other side of the break. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning, Super Wild Card Weekend, uh, six games starting tomorrow and wrapping up on Monday. And I guess, yeah, okay, we were talking in the break, and I said there's no stinkers. I, st- I don't think there are, but if you were going to make the argument, it wouldn't be the Bills, I don't think, in their 10-point spread Mm-mm. against the Steelers. It might be that Eagles-Bucks game where the Eagles are road favorites, but I played like one of the worst teams in the NFL, especially defensively in the last yep. month or so of the season. But I still think like there's so many narratives that's at play the there. I can't, I don't think that's a stinker. And the, again, the line is three points mm-hmm. in that game. That's not a stinker game. No, it just has the, if, if you're going to tell me which of those games has the possibility of being the least and mm, actually, if I'm going to phrase it that way, I think Brown's Texans has the possibility of being the least entertaining. Mm, that right. is the highest possibility of being the least entertaining. Also, there's a world where, cause it's like, this is the beauty of football, right? Like we've already talked a ton about dolphins chiefs. I don't want to belabor the point too much more, but if that game is ugly, we love ugly, cold, right. mushy playoff football. That's the thing. That even think, if it's ugly and Mahomes can't be Mahomes and the Dolphins yeah. can't be the Dolphins. I know you and I, we've talked about them being frauds all year long. We would love to watch the mm. Dolphins shivering on the sideline mm. and unable to catch a cold because it's so cold. I think we both love to see that. I think also people think, oh, we'll under hammer the under in that football game. But Charles is right. Like mm-hmm. they, the turnover thing, the like rumbling down. Fields, the, yep. yep down the, the, the sidelines after scooping up a, a turnover or a fumble, uh, I think looms large. All right, let's 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 take them in chronological order then. Let's start with let's. that game that you think might be a stinker. Texans and Browns. C.J. Stroud about to win Rookie of the Year, you would think, uh, at home against the Browns. This is a rematch. They didn't play um, earlier this season, week 16, but there was no Stroud in that game. But Joe Flacco threw for 368 yards and a 36-22 victory 
um, for the Cleveland Browns. I, and for that reason, like I know Joe Flacco is aged, mm-hmm. but he's a Super Bowl champion. He is. He's, he's not going to be asked to do too much with one of the best defenses in all of the NFL at at his disposal. I, I like I like the Brownies. I'm leaning that way as as well. You know, generally speaking, when I don't have a good feel on a game and I don't have a good feel on this game, like I can kind of talk myself. I just go to quarterbacks as the tiebreaker and I can't even do it there because CJ Stroud, we strolling this year that, yeah, he, there's no reason you shouldn't believe in him. He's a first year guy. D'Amico Ryans love what he's done. He's a first year head coach just because of both of those things, even though it's on the road, even though they're less dynamic, I'm going to go with the Browns as well. I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the Browns and I, and you know what? It's not all gravy for a division champion in the Texans, but it's pretty close to all gravy. Yeah. There's another team that's in the playoff field that we'll talk about later on that it's all gravy for. It's the youngest team in the NFL uh, postseason field. Anyways, next game, uh, for our American friends on a streaming surface, uh, referred to as Peacock, uh, for us on linear television. Yeah. Yeah, baby. The Miami Dolphins. And another rematch of a regular season matchup, but that game was at a neutral site in in uh, Germany earlier this year. With the Dolphins had a big lead and weird game. Yeah, the Chiefs came back turnovers and yeah, yeah. But the Dolphins only put up 14 points in that game um, against the Chiefs this week in what is going to be by far the coldest game of the week and maybe the like in the running for the coldest of all time. We're talking about a minus 30 mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit uh, temperature at Arrowhead. Between these two teams, how do you how do you view this game? If Mostert was healthy, for sure going to go, for sure unlimited, I'd feel much, much better about this. But it's the exact tiebreaker we just talked about, even though I don't know that this is a tie. Give me Mahomes over Tua. Give me Reed over McDaniels. I've been, I've been, I've been not even poo-pooing, but I've just been slowing the roll on the Chiefs a little bit here. Uh, that is still a team that lives, practices, and works in South Florida. They're going to go hang out in the probably the coldest days some of those guys have ever and will ever experience mm. in their lives. Just give me the Chiefs here. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but give me the Chiefs. I oh. agree. Oh no! Okay. Listen, uh, what have I been saying you, all you season? Yelled long. frauds all year long. Yeah, yeah. The, Not about the Chiefs. About, no, about the Dolphins. About the Dolphins, who, yeah, I, if they lose this game, it's that it doesn't add to the fraud case. They're playing the best quarterback and head coach combo of this generation, but they are frauds, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, they need to play in the warm environs of Miami or in a controlled environment, environment and against another fraud team like the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> when they play a team without offensive weapons, but still has a great defense, and mm-hmm. last check, Chris Jones still, like, he's going to play in this game, right? Um, the... The Chiefs are still the Chiefs until I see it happen in the postseason. Just once. Like, just mm-hmm. once. Like, even high ankle sprain, sprain Patrick Mahomes got it done with a pretty similar cast of characters in the receiving game. Not as bad as this, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Maybe the 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 week off in, in week 18 really uh, helps Travis Kelsey get back to his Hall of Fame self. But, no, I... Let me see it once in the postseason. The Chiefs don't make an AFC championship game before I pick against them. I'm certainly not doing it with this Dolphins team. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I, I, you know, I knew they'd been so dominant. I guess I never clocked that they'd never played a road playoff game before. Right. That's kind of remarkable. And now I need them to win because I want to see it happen. Like I want to see, I w- and this isn't me poo-pooing Patrick Mahomes. I know you think that I do that all the time. I'm you just, do. I'm just trying to tell you he's not Tom Brady is really all I'm trying to do uh, when I, when I'm apparently poo-pooing him, but 
the fact that it's been so easy and hey, he's earned how easy it's been. It's not like the NFL just gifts him home field advantage to start every playoffs. They go out there and they earn it. So they should have it. But if they get through this game and we both expect them to, I'm really curious to see how different it is because yeah, mm-hmm. even the road Super Bowl, like they said, COVID year, weird year. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see should they get through and I expect them to not the Patrick Mahomes needs more like uh resume padding, but mm. imagine him winning a Super Bowl in this season with this uh, cast of characters. It would be uh, quite a thing. All right. Sunday, early game, triple header games on Sunday starts at Orchard Park with the Bills hosting a Steelers team that somehow not only finished above 500, but made the playoffs with a negative point differential. Mason Rudolph, uh, a former Mr. Jeannie Bouchard, uh, is going to... I did not know that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they weren't married. Oh, but they well, were, I, yeah, I figured as much. They were dating. By the way, I just saw this headline. I don't know anything about the story, mm-hmm. but apparently Jeannie Bouchard made her professional pickleball debut recently and I got saw that absolutely well. annihilated. Anyways... We're, we're well, going well, far and, afield And now. while you're on that, do you know what happened with that guy she went on the date one time with oh, at a basketball game? Do you know no, about that? No, no okay. I don't. I don't know All about right. that. Anyways. Circle back. Maybe uh, next week. Okay. Steelers in Buffalo to play a Bills team in some bad weather. Uh, as It's, it's I, I guess, going to snow yeah. at some point, like, in in this area. Sure. Um, the Josh Allen had the notable three turnovers in a very the, important game that. Uh, against the Dolphins, but also won the game. Uh, this this is the biggest spread of the weekend. It's double digits, which is slightly surprising, especially considering the weather and considering the mm-hmm. Bills. Yeah, they ended up the two seed in the AFC. A bit of a circuitous route. No TJ Watt, though, man. Yeah. Like, it's so hard for me. I, I, I could see if I was betting this game, I like the points. Agreed. Because I could see a world where, again, Josh Allen needs to make up for all the turnover garbage mm-hmm. that he had early in this game. But I, I nobody in good conscience is picking the Steelers to upset the Bills with Mason Rudolph and no TJ Watt. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, if this is Kenny Pickett, maybe I feel differently, although I don't know how big a believer I am in, in Kenny yeah, Pickett. So I, I, I certainly, yeah. it's more, it's more, I don't believe in Mason Rudolph and I could potentially believe in Kenny Pickett as opposed to actually believing in him, but it's the lack of TJ Watt. We talk about this in every sport every year and it hasn't looked like world beaters down the stretch necessarily, but beware of the team that gets hot at the right time. And yeah, it hasn't looked like Picasso's Picasso's week in and week out for the bills, but they're the team that's peaking. They're the team that's rolling. They're the team that's riding a winning streak heading in to, to the playoffs here. So yeah, points is a completely different conversation, especially in a playoff game, especially with a team that's as well coached as the Steelers are with Tomlin. But if just talking straight up to win, give me the bills here for sure. Uh, the uniforms are going to look great in Big D in the middle game on on uh, on Sunday. Cowboys Packers, nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys at home, seven point favorites. Oh, what? what could go wrong? What could go wrong, Ben? <laughs> Against the Packers team that shocked the world by getting into the postseason as the youngest team in the NFL, youngest team in this postseason field, and they're nine and eight. And Jordan mm-hmm. Love has I just said, "Beware the hot the hot player." I mean, that guy just does not turn the ball over. Uh, yeah, Dak Prescott's been known to do that a time or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be, I mean, one team has all the pressure in the world. Like Mike McCarthy's going to be shoved off off the boat at the end of the season mm-hmm. after this game if he doesn't win it. And the Packers—they're not even supposed to be here today. And and they—they're ecstatic because they have their franchise quarterback and they have nowhere to go but up. No pressure on them. I, I mean. 
maybe the Cowboys win this game. I don't feel if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be shaking in my little booties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I am going to take the Cowboys. I think you lay out a very good case. I can easily see a world where Jordan Love plays safe, confident football and allows the Cowboys to beat themselves. He doesn't turn the ball over, but the Cowboys do. You know, mm-hmm. we know turnover differential can be a bit of a wonky thing. There is definitely a little bit of luck in there. Not when you pick off the ball, the way the, way the Cowboys have with Bland and what Diggs has given them in years past as well. So I look at this as, do I feel super confident about this? No, it's probably quite honestly the pick I feel the least confident about so far. Give me the Cowboys. Not going to be pretty. Do I think they cover? Probably not. Is it some miracle play at the tail end of a defense coming up for them? Probably, in my opinion, but give me the Cowboys. No, I'm going to take the Packers right, in this good. football game. I would have been I very mean, upset they... if we went four for four. No, 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 no. I mean, okay. And I, I get it's the Lions, but like on Thanksgiving in a standalone game, they balled out hard uh, against a, a Lions team that's one of the best in the NFC Again, like no pressure on Jordan Love. He's established himself like the, the Packers, surprisingly, shockingly to me, after alienating Aaron Rodgers have played this thing perfectly, they're set up for the next decade maybe of, of football. Um, so they're, they're headed home with their heads held high no matter what happens in this football game. I, there's just no doubt that's going to have an impact as far as one team feeling all the pressure in the world and one team not. All right, speaking of... Those Lions, they got the late game on Sunday at home against Matthew Stafford and a former Super Bowl champion Rams team that took one season in the wilderness and is back with the, you know, I get one of the, the best rookies we've ever seen. And by counting stats and yards, the best rookie receiver in history in Puka Nakua. Um, yeah, the Lions won 12 games and maybe were screwed out of a 13th they were. against the Cowboys, one of the best teams in in the NFL and in the NFC and they're just also kind of happy to be there. But like in a, in a, in a season in which there's no obvious, obvious favorite, I guess, outside of the the Niners, like, could they win it all? Um, I, I, again, like it's, it's hard for me not to look at the, the team with no pressure on it in the Rams who missed the playoffs a season ago and are building something with their young receiver, but also are like playoff tested. And I mean, Who's not envisioning the headlines on Monday of Matthew Stafford going into his own old barn and 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 putting the the lions in the ground? I I'm taking the Rams here in an upset. I can easily see that happening. I am going to go the other way. I think the Lions, they you mentioned the Dallas game. Obviously, that should have gone a, a different way. I mean, hey, you feel free to you know put yourself in a position that you don't depend on, on one call there. Just as much as we could see Matthew Stafford sticking it to his old team, he's already done that. He went and won the Super Bowl with the Rams. Year longer in the tooth or two or three since they've done that. I like this Lions team. They do have a propensity to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit, but I don't think the Rams are so perfect that they can't potentially overcome that. Lions at home, it is it is ripe for, like you said, disaster. And those fans licking their wounds and a sour, angry, angry fan base down there. Those Lions fans deserve it. And quite honestly, this Lions team deserves to be where they're at. So I'm taking the Lions at home. Should I feel crazy to do it? For sure I do. But Sean, I'm taking the line. Sean McVay against Dan Campbell. Uh, give me Sean McVay. Uh, thank you very much. And then... Uh, uh, leader of men, Dan Campbell. How dare you? He's biting up kneecaps. Sean McVay's just smart and mm, learned. Yeah, right. Which uh, certainly has never um, impacted uh, an NFL playoff game. Uh, and then the, the weekend's going to wrap up in Tampa for a Bucks team that uh, won the... 
FC South, congrats. Um, uh, they got the Eagles, who were in a Super Bowl a season ago and won 11 games, and yeah, like all of that is feels like 100 years ago because they have been brutal, and even in a game that was likely to have no meaning, but against a Giants team that you thought they would have some good vibes going into the playoffs, like they couldn't, they couldn't stop anything the Giants were throwing their way. That being said, though, like, come on. I guess it's the Bucs. And they are slight favorites on the road. Man, I, I get it. They're, they're not winning the Super They're not going to return to the Super Bowl this year. But this is not the spot where they stub their toe, I don't think. I don't think so. But Jalen Hurts has been super limited. He's barely, if at all, throwing a pass since dislocating his finger. Did you see his finger yeah, it's not walking great. off the field? It's not great. Having said all that, I'm still going to take the Eagles. I think this is a team that is ripe for... It, we've, we have seen this before in the past. Now, not with a team that is reeling quite in the way like the Eagles, but where you go, you get to be both teams in the same year where you're the undefeated juggernauts and everyone's telling you you're great. But now they also get to be the nobody believes in this team that they didn't forget how to play football. Right. Jalen Carter, he has been brutal the last, you know, four or five weeks of the season, but he was also transcendent through the beginning of it. I think that that is a veteran team. They know how to win. They know how to right the ship. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think this is going to be the win that gets them right. And all of a sudden, we're talking about them as Super Bowl favorites like I was through the first 10 weeks of the season. But I think over the Bucks, Baker Mayfield, they're going to find a way. It isn't going to be pretty, but it's going to be the Eagles. The Bucks, and I get it. They won five of six down the stretch. And yeah, they beat Green Bay and they beat a Jags team that was also battling to get into the postseason. But they wrapped up the year and the division by beating the Panthers without scoring a touchdown. Nine nothing. They beat one of the worst teams in NFL history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, give me a break. Right. <laughs> uh, before before we get to the Wake and Rake, we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh Blue Jays reaching deals with mm. all their arbitration eligible players, yeah. except for one guy. Oh. Not surely like it was Santiago Espinal, right? Not an important key figure of the franchise. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh. has yet to reach a deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. So he's not going anywhere. He's under team control for this year and next year, which means he's arbitration eligible. And the two sides have exchanged arbitration numbers, both numbers under $20 million for this upcoming season. The way this thing works, and you will recall that they were in the same position with Bo Bichette a year ago where they got past the deadline to exchange numbers and schedule an arbitration mm -hmm. hearing. Blue Jays are one of these teams where it's self-imposed. Like, there's no rule where you have to be this team. The Blue Jays have decided organizationally that they are a team that is a file and trial team. So if you get to the point where both sides are exchanging numbers ahead of arbitration, either you go to arbitration or you figure out a multi-year deal. There, there's no more coming together on a one-year deal between them and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and they held to their guns a season ago in that they didn't come to a one-year uh, agreement with Bo Bichette. They had a multi-year agreement that covered all of his arbitration-eligible years. So they didn't buy any unrestricted free agency. It's not called that in Major League Baseball. They didn't buy any of his free agent years, mm -hmm. Bo Bichette. But they don't have to do this anymore with Bo Bichette because, yeah, he's also under team control for this year and next, but he's also got a, a number that he is going to be paid. So we don't need to worry about him. That could still happen between the Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Every indication is that that's not likely to happen. No, so the Blue Jays were so afraid of taking Bo Bichette to arbitration that that they they went until the last possible second, but they worked their darndest to get this thing figured out. 
I don't know, man. If this thing gets to arbitration, and I get it, everybody's professional, right? Like We all go into this thing understanding no feelings at play here. Yeah, no, Ilya Samsonov agrees. Uh, Marcus Stroman agrees, who notably went to arbitration with the Toronto Blue Jays, and that was the beginning of the end of his tenure in Toronto. Here's what I feel comfortable in saying. This is probably the case either way, but if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes to arbitration with the Toronto Blue Jays, he's, he's not remaining... In Toronto, he's not a Blue Jay beyond next season, no matter what. Now, whether that's departing as a free agent at the conclusion of uh, his uh, years of team control or whether he's traded in the offseason or traded at the deadline in any of the next two seasons, there is no way I can get my mind to the place where those two, two sides, the player and the Blue Jays, go to arbitration and the feelings aren't hurt to such a degree that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., decides to re-up with this team. I just don't see it. This is a crucial key moment in in his relationship with the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to do something I don't often do. Normally, it's a Jays-Leafs parallel. Jays-Raps parallel. This is feeling a little siakam in terms of, is this just a slow death march to the player inevitably leaving? And we're going to sit here having a year of conversations of, oh, I don't know. You got to trade him if there's only a year. And, hey, we could do things a year from now. We don't need to rush into this. It is remarkable how quickly the clock is running out on this player. And not to say his career is going to be over, but it's next year and one more year of team control, and then that's it. We saw what they did with Bo. That was obviously a great roadmap. I think a lot of people feel comfortable about that. The idea of a super long-term extension with Vladdy feels completely undoable right now, given the yo-yoing track records that you've seen from the players. So, yeah, this is a uh, it's a big fork-in-the-road moment. I mean, we've been saying that about these two guys specifically, but they got Bo taken care of. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out for sure. Yeah, there's still time to figure it out. Um, and you, you look at the numbers exchanged, and, oh, it's only a couple million bucks between the Blue Jays and the player. Like, how can you not figure that thing out? Um, there's... The teams are very strident Stubborn. in their beliefs. That's how. And and they believe that these type of things are precedent setting and impact, you know, future teams by a not insignificant margin. So they're, they're going to stick to their guns. They're, they're not like, they're not just going to bend their rules for one dude as, as important as he may be to the history of the franchise. Like the next couple of weeks are, are going to be really telling as far as the relationship between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith after 8 o'clock about this very same subject. But first, it is time for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook bet local. Leafs returning home for hockey night in Canada against the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. Naturally, it is the Avalanche 27-12-3, second in the Central Division against the Leafs team, that is coming off a four-game winning streak. Uh, I guess you can make it five games where they've registered a point after losing in overtime on Long Island, 21-10-8. and eight. They've been a much better road team this season than they've been at home. This mm-hmm. is an interesting weekend for this team considering Ilya Samsonov is back with the team and they got a back-to-back starting with this Avalanche team and then wrapping up on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings. My indication has been that this team will prioritize certain regular season games like they did in the back end of back-to-backs against the Ducks with Martin Jones starting the second game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews playing 25 minutes a game. I feel like 
this Hockey Night in Canada game against the Avalanche is the game that they want to win, and whatever happens on Sunday against the Red Wings, the, 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 they'll take that result. I, I think they go all out in, in this Avalanche game. Yeah, I can certainly see that, and the Leafs have a good track record against this Avalanche team. I mean, they've whooped them 8-1 a few years ago. It felt like every time Kadri came into town since the trade, and yes, I'm aware he's gone. He's with the Flames now, but felt like he would get his goal, and the Leafs would get their win, and everybody would leave happy We've seen this with the Leafs team a million times that, yeah, they will stub their toe against an also Rand or they'll bump their head against the wall against the Niles team. But when you give them elite competition, generally speaking, they show up. The idea of it Saturday night at home, McKinnon in town, it is going to be a buzzing, buzzing night. I expect the Leafs to take care of business, quite honestly. And, you know, I, I it's always a little wary trying to go with the spread in, in an NHL game, especially when the team as talented as the Avs. But I honestly yeah. might even look at that because they have they have won and won by big margins against this Colorado team the past couple of years. I mean, what might give me a little bit of trepidation after giving up a couple of power play goals to the Islanders, the Avalanche first in the league with 40 power play goals. So mm-hmm. the Leafs need to be better on special teams in this. Hard to be worse game. than they were against the Isles. It is true. All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, Bruce Boudreaux. Former Jack Adams Award winner next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.